Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. All right. Well, let me, um, I'm going to follow up on something I saw in that elevator picture. Um, and even now, it's come back a couple of times uh, today of just how many needs uh, are in different lives today. And, um, you know, we can, like, act like things are one way. The Lord knows what's going on. And the Lord, um, but, I, but I have just such a confidence in the, the uh, specificity, the uniqueness of how the Lord has your hairs numbered. <laughs> he even, Scripture says, He collects your tears in a bottle. He knows what you need sometimes before you even know you need it. And Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's like a two-edged sword. And so I just trust and believe that today, that the Lord knows what's going on in you and around you. And, and uh, I just want to pray that he will, will meet that need today and, and really draw us closer to him through this time. Um, before I pray that, I also am up here. Uh, did we share this before in and out, Marissa, about Pastor Nate? Okay, Pastor Nate was going to preach today, and he texted this morning, and he is not feeling well. So, um, so let's pray for him at the house that he would be strengthened, okay? Thank you, Lord. Father, we <clears throat> thank you for Pastor Nate. We thank you for Kaylee, Zeb, and Zoe, and Zeke. We pray over that home, Lord. I just saw in my spirit a while back, Shalom, the banner Shalom of the peace of God, the wholeness of God over his home, and wholeness meaning even in their bodies. So right now we just declare, you even told us, Jesus, when you sent out the the 12 and the 70, let your peace rest on that home. So Lord, as a church family, we, we reach our hand and our heart out in agreement for Shalom, peace and wholeness to Nate's body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. May no one in this family, anything that may be trying to attack them physically, we take a stand, we rebuke the devourer, we rebuke any spirit of infirmity, we say, get away from the cash stands in the name of Jesus. May they walk in health and prosper, even as their souls prosper, in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, would you move in and meet the needs? Give us cool cups of water today. Take us up to the floor that you would have us on the elevator, past the floor of fear, past the floor of immorality, of despair, of confusion. In Jesus' name, of addiction, of besetting sin, Lord, lift us up to the elevated perspective. May we reign in this life. Through the one man, Jesus Christ, by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts. May we mix your word with faith in these next moments. Unto transformation, not just filing away some notes, but causing our hearts to be marked. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor Nate's been sharing on family revival, and I 
started getting some thoughts about something about family revival. A few weeks ago, I hadn't hammered it out. I started hammering very feverishly this morning. <laughs> and, um, and so, um, but this is kind of a fatherly message. It's, you know, as a, you know, it's basically an old guy message, all right? Coming from this generation, you know, when it, somewhere around 2000, people started calling me sir at the store, the gym, and when they call you sir, it's code for you're old, okay? And I understand that, and, you know, a few years ago, someone called me young man, but he was like in his 70s or 80s, so time marches on, and, um, but I want to share and then have one final song of worship, and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to give us time to respond in individual ways and, and maybe even drive some stakes in the ground of commitments for ourselves, for our households, for our families. I want to talk about the idea of generational transfer. You've got your notes. If you don't have notes, we have more in the back or they're online. Generational transfer. Um, Roman number one in Scripture, lots of times... Uh, throughout, one generation would forget or not have passed on to them the miracles and the moves of God that happened in the previous generation. So God even had them erect memorial stones in the Jordan River. Say, so you can point to your children and your grandchildren and say, look what God did. He parted the Jordan River. Uh, things like that are, are involved in generational Transfer. See, somehow the miracles didn't get passed on. They got lost in translation. Or they, it was like a disconnect from one generation to the next. Mike, Mike Tumlin, a pastor from Holy Trinity Church in Brompton, England, which if you're if anyone familiar with the Alpha Course, which is a worldwide uh, evangelism tool, he said this. He said, Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. What he means by that is, I mean, it's, you know, the devil's not going to completely wipe it out, but the, with each generation, there's a diminishing of the, the potency, the, the power, the anointing. The divine momentum gets diminished. So um, if it's not, if we don't pass on what God has shown us to the next generation. So, um, God, Psalm 100, verse 5, God's a generational God. He says, his, Psalm 105 says, His truth endures to all generations. I love that. God thinks generationally. He doesn't just look at our generation. He's looking at our, us, our children, our grandchildren, and so forth. Don't you love that? That that's how he sees? Here's the catch, though. The enemy sees how God thinks. And he tries to interrupt. He tries to sidetrack, tries to confuse the, the upcoming generation so that the power of the gospel can die down. Like a flickering flame, it can die down. And so we see things in our culture that the enemy is behind. I'll just go ahead and say they are satanic in their root. 
to try to wipe out the, the generation coming up. Abortion. 60 million plus since 1973. Drug addiction. Fentanyl now coming. They, I just heard Friday morning from midnight to 7 a.m. this last week in Austin, 12 people were rushed to the hospital. Two died because apparently a bad batch of street drugs with fentanyl got passed around by around 5th and Trinity downtown. And they're pouring up. I'm not going not to get all into that, but it's a scheme of the enemy to try to diminish, to try to uh, stop the flow of, what's God's, of what God's doing. So then there's the increase of occultism. We've talked about that in Sunday school uh, somewhat as well. Many manifestations of evil, and they are designed to rob the next generation of all that's in God's heart for them. But how many of you know God's got a plan that's greater than the enemy's plan? And we're a part of seeing that generational transfer take place. So there are elements and dynamics that are related to this idea of passing on to the next generation that I believe are going to help us today to experience increased family revival. So then when Pastor Nate shares, he'll pick, take up from the younger generation. Okay, so I think God's putting this together in this order today. Roman numeral two, what is generational transfer? I've alluded to it a little, but I see it here in Scripture. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, The Lord says to Jeremiah, stand at the crossroads and look. Start to get that. Click again. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying, uh, the Lord's saying to him, ask for the ancient paths. And so it's talking about this idea of what was what was from the ain't past coming into now? What's, what's going on now? Paragraph A, generational transfer is not passing on. He's not saying ask for the empty traditions. Ask for religious tradition and pass it on. He's saying something different. When Jeremiah says ancient paths, he's saying there are ways that are traditional for a generation that aren't ancient paths. And then there are ways that are ancient paths. Ancient paths means the truths. The truths of God that never go out of style. There is no expiration date on truth of God. Right? Psalm 105, truth in, his truth endures to all generations. But somehow we can, sometimes we can go, oh, I'm going to pass on a tradition the way my parents or my grandparents grew up in church or whatever, that's not necessarily what God is saying to pass on. There's a picture of a church congregation in the 1950s. I love that their heads are bowed and they're praying, but I don't see many men here today wearing suits and ties and many hats, and that's fine, but that's not... 
the ancient path. Are y'all following me? We're not all going to wear suits and ties. I saw old pictures of Baylor football stadium back in the days. All the guys wore suits and ties to a football game in August when it was like 95 degrees. I'm like, oh, Lord. Okay. Not an ancient path. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of this. It's an old church example, but a, a, a husband and wife, the, the wife was cooking a ham, and she cuts off the ends of the ham. Have you heard that? She cuts off the ends of the ham, and the husband goes, why, are you, why do you cut off the ends of the ham before you cook it? And she's like, well, I don't know. I, my mom always did that. And so she got to thinking. She sees her mom later down the week and says, Mom, why did you cut off the ends of the ham before you cooked the ham? She goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> my mom always did that. So she calls the grandmother and says, Mom, why did you cut off the ends of the ham before you put it in the oven? She goes, well, I, my pan wasn't long enough. <laughs> so I just... Now, if those who know me, that just, ugh, that's perfectly good ham. For 60 years, it got thrown out. I mean, you see, there are some things that are traditional, but they're not necessarily supposed to be passed on. Or maybe they shouldn't be passed on. So paragraph B, generational transfer is passing on eternal truths. Things that God has done for us to the next generation, like a baton in a race. Just go, go ahead and keep the, you can, you don't have to put, keep that picture up, thanks. Um, we get the idea. Understanding the ancient paths helps us to know what to pass on. And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to show us different ones what's truth that you share with your children or with others. I mean, I can tell all kinds of Kyle and my daughter Grace stories growing up, but a lot of times I would pass on ancient paths to him while we're just in the car going up to a NASCAR event or some other thing. I'll still, I got to tell it. I'm, you know, <laughs> one time we're driving to church and, G and Kyle's like four years old. He goes, Dad, can Jesus beat up a porcupine? <laughs> I thought this is an opportunity <clears throat> to tell him about the kindness of Jesus, the omnipotence of Jesus, but the kindness. I said, well, Jesus could beat up a porcupine because Kyle's trying to process how can he get around all the quills to beat up a porcupine. And, and so he comes to, and so I said, Jesus could, but he doesn't want to because he loves the porcupine. He created the porcupine. Well, so I'm passing on an aspect of the character of God, just heading, I think we were going to church that day or something. But So, Roman numeral three, why is generational transfer important? Two things. First of all, it's important because generational transfer is how God defines success. God defines success, as we see there in Jeremiah 6.16 and throughout Scripture, by transferring these eternal truths on to the next generation. You see, there are always new paths that people are trying 
to create. In our society today, those who have young children and you're perhaps they're in public school or you're teaching them private school or in, in what other ways, homeschooling, um, the new paths are saying things like, let the children decide for themselves what's right and wrong. Let them decide. That's the new path. You know, um, Derek Prince, old Bible teacher that I've grown up, he's passed on a lot to me. He's passed away now. But he, he said, if children were the only ones who could vote, then we would have candy makers and pastry chefs be in charge of our government. You know, meaning they don't know that a, lot of, a lot of what's going on. So... Let the children decide. That's a new path. That's not an ancient path. It's a new way. It's the world's ways many times. The ways of the world, listen now, the ways of the world will say that yesterday's values don't apply to to today's culture. They will say a new path is defined, that success is defined in the new path thinking. Success is defined by being original. Come up with your own idea, your own way. Whereas an ancient path says, identify the eternal truths and pass them on. That's success, according to the Lord. That is impact. You see, and I put it in your notes there, paragraph A, biblical success isn't defined in terms of did you come up with something new, but rather did you pass on something eternal? Did you come up with something new and original and this new progressive way, or did you pass something on eternal? When you pass on eternal truth, then I believe firmly the one to whom you pass that truth on to will run further and faster than you ever did. They'll be more impactful in the world for the gospel than you and I ever were. It's a divine principle. They will be standing on our shoulders, on our prayers, on our faithfulness, on our yes to the Lord. We will give them something to stand on. The second reason generational transfer is important, paragraph B, is it is, there is exponential power that takes place when we do it. That's really what I just said earlier. They'll run further and faster. There's exponential power that takes place when we pass on eternal truth. There is a divine momentum of God's activity that takes place in the earth that God desires that increases from generation to generation. Even though the enemy wants to try to stop it, if we will pass on those truths, there will be a divine momentum. We'll keep increasing and increasing and increasing. And then one day, Revelation says the spirit and the bride will say, come, Lord Jesus, and it will be a church that's without spot or without wrinkle that will have fallen in love with the Lord, that will walk in holiness, that blinds the eyes, they used to say, 
I want holiness that will just stop the enemy in his tracks. I want the enemy to say, I'm not going to mess with him. He is so set on me. Well, that's the kind of thing that's continuing to happen. There's going to be a divine momentum that continues to take place if you and I, us older ones, I'm not going to point fingers, if we will be faithful to the race we're running. If we will run our leg of the race, then we can pass the baton off and they will run further and faster than us. It's like compound interest. Okay, anybody, everybody know what compound interest is when I first had my little savings account? Albert Einstein said this. He said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. There he is. I guess he had a good time. If you understand compound interest, real quick, if you put $100 in the bank or in the savings account at 10% interest compounded quarterly, then after three months, it turns out, I had to write my numbers down, it turns out to be $110. I can figure that one out. After the second quarter, it becomes $121 that you, that you have. Third quarter, $133.10. After fourth quarter, after a year, you started out with $100, and you end up at the end of the year with $146.41. That's the power of that divine momentum of compounding quarterly in, a, in an account. Now, the, the same holds true for something you owe. How would you like to owe something... $100, by the end of the year, you're owing 146 right? It reminded me of this old window sticker called I owe, I owe. Anybody seen that? I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Well, we want to be on the other side. We want to be saving and causing uh, more and more needs to be God's help these days. So it's like that. It's like compound interest, and like I've alluded to, it's like running a relay race. Uh, in 1996, in the Olympics, I don't know, should I go to that, get away from this mic? Am I good? Okay. The gold medalist in the 100-meter dash was a man named Donovan Bailey. He ran the 100 meters in 9.84 seconds. Now, that's fast. 1996, gold medalist. I think he beat uh, Carl Lewis at one point. But that was not the fastest 100 meters that was run in 1996 in the, that Olympics. In the men's 4x100 relay, the USA team, the men's 4x100 relay, the second, third, and fourth legs of that relay ran faster than 9.84 seconds in their 100-meter leg. Why? Because there was a transfer that took place. And so I went outside last minute, like I said, and here's my baton. I'm not going to try to run because that would really distract you. But Kyle, could you kind of act it out with me? Okay, so Kyle... 
Is right, like stop right there if you could. All right, good. I didn't know. I didn't tell him I was going to do this. But I am. Why don't we be a little more right in the front here? Hi, everybody. Okay. All right. So I'm running. I start from a dead stop. See, Donovan Bailey's 9.84 seconds was because he started from a dead stop. He had no momentum. Okay? So I start the race. I go 100 meters. Then put your hand out. See, now I'm looking. Okay, stop. Okay, because y'all won't catch you. <laughs> keep, your hand, keep your hand back there. Now I'm the old guy generation, okay? I'm looking and I'm reaching, and I'm running. Pretend I'm running really fast, okay? I'm running, and then, and you're running too. Now, you start running. Keep going, keep going, keep, and there. All right, now you go run around the parking lot and go come back. Thank you. Because, yeah, thank you. Thank you, son. And I'll just say it, it's true. I think Abigail, probably better than you down the road. I think Kyle, Grace, running further and faster than me. She already runs faster. And that's just in the whole realm of how they're doing. Because they are, Kyle is running on, the mom, on top of the momentum that I have forged. And I've seen him run. Sometimes I, he's like, Dad, I'm going to take a run here at the office at the church. I, look, I go, okay, great. About, I don't know, a few seconds I look out the window, and he's already gone. He's up on the highway because of his stride and where he's going. Well, that speaks to me. It speaks to me to be faithful in the leg I'm running. It says, Glenn, don't let up. Don't, don't go, well, I'm just getting older. No, say, Wait, I'm going to hand this off so that it can go further and faster. Elisha did greater miracles than Elijah because there was transfer. Joshua stepped into the promised land on the shoulders of what Moses did. You see, Moses had run his race but he passed the baton off to Joshua. Hebrews 11, verse 13, it's in your notes. It says, all these people, all those in Hebrews 11, the, the, the faith, the hall of faith, they all ran their leg of the race. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So they prayed, were faithful, and we are here today. You are here today. We are here because of our, our obedience today, our giving, our faithfulness, our prayers. But we are, there's also a generation before us that was faithful and giving and praying. And I'm looking at a room with many. I don't know, Gary and Jeannie Douthat, are you here? I think they came the second week, first week. Second week, we started having interest meetings out here. 
Can we just clap for Gary, Jeannie Douthit? Amen. Amen. We're here because of their faithfulness, their serving. She's doing communion elements today. Laura Sumner, Ewan Warren, your faithfulness here for stay years and years. Your moms, Mary Leanne Bryan, led our altar prayer teams. We have moves of the Spirit at this altar because of her faithfulness. We don't see the whole promises yet, but when you, when those who have been in the past who've prayed prayers of faith, their prayers never die. They never die. The prayers prayed in faith 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they never died. They're just out there waiting for someone to take the baton and become the fulfillment of those prayers. The, Timothy was the product of the faith of his mother and his grandmother, it says. Eunice and Lois. That's where we are. There's a man, a Northern Ireland politician. I put this, I think I put this quote in your notes. It's not on the screen, but it touched me a few weeks ago. I read it. A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit. We're here in a lot of ways because of those who've gone before us. Worship team, you can come on up. Maybe the worship team's up. Yeah, they're coming. Larry Randolph, a man who I was, didn't know if I was even what I was going to do. I was, I'd been praying what to do. Lord, should I plant a church? I was in East Texas, come from Rockwall, Texas, out in East Texas at Church on the Rock in, in Longview, Texas. And Lord, if, we're so, if Suzanne and I are supposed to plant a church, this was 1997, would you speak to someone like a man I'd only met once a year before named Larry Randolph. Larry Randolph was one of the main prophetic voices and teachers in the Vineyard Church of John Wimber in, in California. And um, <clears throat> with Bill Johnson at uh, Bethel in Reading. A week later, this man calls my senior pastor, Chuck Warnock, in East Texas and says... Somebody in your church leadership is supposed to plant a church. And that was a week after I called his name out. I called his name and Paul Kane, another prophetic man, because I didn't want to go unless God wanted me to go plant a church. So I get him on the phone, finally, because he travels all over the world. He, I said, Larry, did God tell you where I was supposed to plant? He said, no. He gave me the biblical background. He said, wherever you go, God will go with you. You choose. Well, River in the Hills would probably not be here without this man's faithfulness to obey. There's a man watching online who can't physically get around much named Terrence Tutai. He watches on the stream every he's kind of needs a he needs a physical healing. But he watches from Las Vegas, Nevada. He came down here, moved down here with his family back when we started. And he actually got the, 
the tax-exempt ID for River in the Hills. He's a banker, and he just felt led to move down here to help. He's still watching. Terrence, we're, we're, we're running on your shoulders. Let's stand up, if you would, to your feet. Two things, Malachi 4. Two things that we, that we see in Malachi 4 that, get, that cause the transfer to take place. And they are in this order. And I want to read the whole, the whole set here. I've, I went ahead and included verses 4, 5, and 6. Because it, here it is again, <clears throat> verse 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Malachi's writing, so there it is. Moses' generation. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, um, that commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so the end time revival, the spirit of Elijah, he, the spirit of Elijah, the anointing of the spirit, will turn first the hearts of the fathers to the children. Then he will turn the hearts of the children in response to their fathers. Fathers and mothers, it's not gender specific and it's not even biologically specific. It's spiritual fathers and mothers. I'm talking to the older. We turn our hearts first to our children and our grandchildren. We, what, I ha, what does it mean, turn our heart? It means I really care that God's calling on Sloan. I really care about what God's doing in Zeb's life. I want to find out. I want to celebrate. I want him to know I believe in him. Then that causes his heart to turn to me. You know, when your children are little, they run after you. When they get into their teens, you got to run after them. Right? That's why you wait till they get in from the evening to find out over the a sandwich, you know, how was your day? They need us to reach that baton out and say, here, I'm going to pass on to you the ancient paths. And then I believe, and some here today, you say, but my, my son, my daughter, they're, they're away from the Lord. Well, I'm going to have, have you in a moment pray. We're going to pray that God will turn their hearts. But some of us today, there's a need to be shifting. Maybe we're not. Maybe our hearts aren't turned as much. Maybe we're, sometimes we're guilty of being cranky. To the, you know, well, when I was your age, I, I, I hiked four miles in the snow to school. Uphill, both ways. I don't know how that worked, but... Well, Dad, didn't you live in Florida? Yeah, it doesn't matter. We, there was snow. They don't want to see us be cranky. They want us to see us believe in them and to reach out to them. Joshua 1.7, Only be strong and courageous, Joshua, that you may observe and do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Joshua, don't make up a new thing. Take up the old thing. Take up what Moses passed on. Now, here's the thing. Last thought. We can pass on truths and stories 
We can provide the dinner at the table, but younger generation, you've got to come and eat it. You've got to experience the Lord for yourself. It's not just passing on truth. It's believing. And that's where as a dad, I felt so helpless. It was like, Lord, Kyle's got to get this in his heart. Grace has to get it in her heart. I can say things, but until it becomes real, the transfer's not complete. Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, forgive me of times where my heart wasn't turned, where I was more concerned with other things, where I was in a bad, complaining time in my life. Would you help everyone in this room and online to drive some stakes in the ground and say, for the older ones, I'm going to turn my heart. I'm going to listen. I'm going to invest. And for the younger, I ask for a great ability to take the baton, to receive it. I come against right now any kind of generational curse, any kind of assignment that's trying to interrupt what God wants to do. If you are wanting more encounter, if you want more experience, I said there's truth, but there's It's to be experienced. Whether you're young or old, I want to invite you to come to the altar right now and say, I want to experience more encounter with the Lord myself. I believe there's a grace today to cause the snow to melt, to cause what understanding in your head to to take the 18-inch miracle to your heart. Say, I'm really going to run with this. I've been told this, but I want to run with it. I want to experience it for myself. Laura, could you come up, stand right here? Your mom, Laura Sumner's mother, Mary Leanne Bryan, helped us so much with the altar. Would you just turn around and pray for some people? Anyone in the younger generation that says I I want to take that baton I want to run further and faster I want you to come up as well just as a step you're saying I'm going to take that baton I want to listen I want to receive I want to release impartation some of those who are considered father and mothers in the faith would you would you come up and stand up here and I want you to pray and lay hands on some of these younger ones I want to see some generational transfer. Todd, when you and Sarah have a chance, could you just come and look around and, yeah. Now I want to encourage one more thing I was sensing and seeing this morning. We're going to have one more song. You're going to, and then we'll officially be dismissed. We're a little late today, but um, after this song, but I want you to be able to. Come forward if you have someone in your family that's 
not taking the baton and they're away from God and you're, you want to see the prodigal come home. You want to see them become all that God's called them to be. And it's a helpless feeling because you've, you've prayed, you've passed on truth, but it hasn't taken yet. Just come forward and stand. Yes, okay, come forward, anyone. Yeah, just let's cry out to the Lord during this song. If you're at your seat right now as this song is, is playing, as they're singing, I trust the Holy Spirit to show you how to adjust how you are relating either to your parents or spiritual parents or how you're relating to your children or your spiritual children. Just say you'll obey. Just obey. If today it's a bap, you need to be water baptized and you haven't been, come talk to me. Will the water's warm? We have clothes, we have towels. If you say, today I want to say, I'm going to make that declaration. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, we're here to say we are here to obey fully because we see the destiny in the earth and we see the enemy scheme to interrupt and we declare we will not let the enemy win because greater are you that's in us and in our family. I declare, everyone who's head of a family, just raise your hand right now, just where if you can hear me. I declare blessing on fathers and mothers. I declare over that home, over that home, over that home. I declare blessing and honor. And in the blood of Jesus, you take a curse for that family. We break every curse, every hex, every spell off of the family line. That as for you and your house, you will love the Lord and you will serve the Lord. Let's clap to God. Let's thank Him. Thank you, Lord. We declare it ends today. Amen. Just, just continue to just do obey the Lord. Go ahead. Worship. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.